0: Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Prime Time. Bharati Jagdish with you. Now, it's no surprise that many businesses have struggled in the last two years. All of this as a result of the high levels of uncertainty caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. But we know that things are looking up right now. According to the National Business Survey, there is growing optimism with 8 in 10 firms confident about continuing operations in the coming year. But let's not forget, there are still challenges. There's the humanitarian crisis in and around you. Ukraine, which has increased the risk of global stagflation. The International Monetary Fund is also warning that with growth falling short of expectations and inflation rising, countries will need to tighten their monetary policies. As a result, more than 85% of SMEs are expected to prioritize consistent cash flow this year. No surprises there. With global stagflation on the horizon, however, access to finances will be a barrier. That's because financial institutions struggle to assess the creditworthiness of SMEs, resulting in a 4.7 trillion US dollar funding gap for SMEs globally. So how do we close this funding gap? Jeffrey Liu, co-founder and CEO of Genfi, joins us now. They provide all sorts of tools to help SMEs out in this regard. Hi, Jeffrey. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, thanks for having
0: me. Jeffrey, the thing is, we've known this about SMEs struggling with cash flow for a very, very long time. And I'm sure that COVID-19 exacerbated the situation for some. In the Singapore context, though, what is the situation really like? Because SMEs here also benefit from government grants, and that's a form of funding as well, isn't it?
1: Yes, definitely. That's true. I mean, the Singapore environment has been very robust with a lot of growth. And thanks to the government, there's been a lot of Initiatives to really help support this but we've also at GenFi have just seen the landscape actually change quite materially over the last two three months And as you pointed out earlier, it's really the general macro environment has been deteriorating And part of that has just been the inflation fears. That's just dominating everyone's mindset And so that's causing changes in behavior Um, We're seeing consumers cutting back on spending because they're worrying about their purchasing power we're also seeing businesses uh, face difficult decisions to keep up with inflation. And so they're you know, they're in a difficult position where they have to think about whether they want to raise prices, which could hurt their sales, or they have to potentially cut costs by reducing headcount and so forth. And on top of that, you know, as we've seen in the last two, three months, there's been a drastic rise in the cost of funding with the US Federal Reserve moving the rates up by seventy-five basis points. And that. You know, has a concern where it could spill over into higher cost of funding in Southeast Asia, which could potentially um, invoke the risk of a recession. And what we're seeing at GenFi is that SMEs might have a little bit more of a difficult time this year um, getting access to funding at a point in time when things are starting to slow down and when they have the greatest need for this external capital.
0: The thing is, of course, banks do provide funding, but SMEs are notoriously underbanked. I think even in Singapore, many of them hesitate to go to banks. However, one can understand why banks are more stringent about who they lend money to. They will look at creditworthiness and all sorts of other criteria in order to assess someone's suitability for funding in that regard. But you're saying that to some extent, these methods are biased. And traditional in a negative way. Tell me more about that.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of factors that happen, especially in this type of, um, of a slowdown condition. So, uh, banks and financial institutions they tend to focus on what they know best, which is funding proven businesses in traditional sectors. And you know, in, in this type of environment, they will cut back and be highly selective. And so, a lot of these businesses that we deal with. Um, E-commerce businesses, SaaS, tech startups, these new economy, digital native type businesses will lose access to capital because banks will turn them away. You know, there are various reasons. Either they don't have enough hard assets for collateral or not enough cash flow. And on top of that, um, we're also seeing venture capital firms slow down their investment activity as they want to wait and see what's going to happen in the coming months. But our view at GenFi is that, you know, unlike the tech boom in the early 2000s, where there were a lot of dubious business models, and unlike the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, where there were all these over-levered companies, this generation of companies that are underbanked are actually high-potential businesses that are running very sound business models. Um, But they won't be able to survive if they don't get access to the right type of growth capital, um, as they haven't reached the scale necessary to survive on their own.
0: So how are you helping such businesses in terms of providing them with growth capital and other sorts of alternative financing? Yeah,
1: so at GenFi, we focus on productive activities that generate positive revenue growth. It's proven that if you spend every dollar on an activity that generates more than a dollar, you're actually creating value for that business. And so rather than funding, let's say, your rent or activities that don't help you grow, we're funding your business sales and marketing, You know, things such as your Facebook or Google Ads that actually allow you to gain more customers, which then leads to more sales. And with more sales, you can generate more profits. Um, so at Gen5, we pioneered one of the one of Southeast Asia's first revenue-based financing product. Basically, what we do is we fund a company's growth activities in exchange for a, a small percentage of their future revenues, which aligns us as true partners as we help these businesses grow healthily. And at the same time, we don't take any ownership stakes, and so there's no risk of dilution or loss of ownership when they when they grow.
0: You've been known as one of the companies that is quite focused on Southeast Asia. Why precisely that focus?
1: We see a lot of potential in in this region, um, especially in in markets like uh, Vietnam, Indonesia, and and some of the surrounding SBA markets. And that's really the, the impact of COVID in the last few years has really helped accelerate digital adoption and changes of behavior. So there's this massive rise of digital native companies You know, think of e-commerce and SaaS companies where, you know, they've been able to thrive because of the structural change in in the economy. Um, Companies now are able to attract customers online without relying on physical stores, and they're able to thrive during this pandemic. And so we just see all these different opportunities, um, but we're also just frustrated by the fact that, you know, the traditional financial institutions still rely on traditional uh, ways of analyzing these businesses. So a lot of these high-quality businesses aren't able to qualify for you know the right type of growth capital because of that.
0: There must be some businesses that you wouldn't help, right, that you wouldn't lend money to. So while you're not using traditional metrics, what exactly do you use in order to assess whether this is a business worth helping out?
1: That's true. So we don't fund unbankable companies. Uh, we fund underbanked companies. And so these are the digital native companies that I've been talking about. The ones that are spending very healthily on Facebook and Google ads, for example, so that they can grow faster and increase their top line sales. And at GenFi, we have a special expertise in understanding how these digital native companies operate. We have the technology that allows us to read the data from data sources that are used by these digital native companies. Think of, for example, uh, insights that we can glean from their payment processing data or their merchant accounts or their cloud-based accounting platforms. And all of these data points that are available are shunned by traditional financial institutions that are not as familiar with such alternative data. So we use this alternative data to our advantage so that we can help these underbanked um, companies qualify for growth capital.
0: To what extent do you think, Jeffrey, all of these traditional banks (laughs) will provide only traditional financing options? Well, maybe they should just start looking at things differently or they might just go out of business. Or is there still a place for such players?
1: The true reality is banks, you know, they, they have to re- report to their shareholders. And and at the end of the day, the biggest business opportunity for them is still in funding their large institutional clients, which generate, you know, very healthy profits for them. And so their framework and how they analyze these businesses make a lot of sense for such large companies. Um, but that results, these structural things that are in place and results in a lot of these smaller you know, medium sized businesses really missing out um, because the infrastructure that's set up by these banks are, are not able to then underwrite you know, such smaller companies.
0: There have been criticisms about other platforms similar to GenFi that, yeah, while getting the funding is easy, there are still catches. We still sort of have to pay you back, don't we? So tell me more about the downsides. What are the fees? What are the interest rates? You know, that sort of thing, because I'm also thinking in terms of traditional metrics. You can't just be helping me out for nothing, right?
1: Yes, for sure. So one of the things that we pride ourselves at GenFi is focusing businesses to to really look hard at how they're using their capital when, when they're taking capital. That's some of the exercise that we work with them through. Because one of the observations that we've seen with companies taking general working capital loans, for example, is that they might end up using it for the wrong purposes, especially nonproductive expenses, right? Let's say you're a company and you're borrowing it just to fund expensive office rent, which doesn't really uh, increase your top line sales you might have a very hard time repaying that back in the future. And so we're trying to help encourage businesses with good behavior by helping them focus on, on activities that actually generate top line sales. And so that when they take on such uh, such debt capital, for example, there's a positive um, ROI
0: attached to it. Mm. What about interest rates and things like that? on uh, loans.
1: So, Great question. So at GenFi, everything is uh, based on the risk-based pricing. So, companies apply online through our application process. They are assessed on their credit worthiness. There's a risk-adjusted score that comes in place. And so based on sort of the the credit worthiness and future potential of the business, um, the the pricing can vary quite widely.
0: The thing is, we did see a huge change in the business landscape during COVID-19. You yourself mentioned, right, so many different types of companies emerged, e-commerce businesses, SaaS businesses, and so on. And it is your job, sort of, to anticipate future trends and future changes, isn't it, so that you can better design tailor-made products for businesses of the future. So what exactly are you anticipating at this point for the next five years? So we're strong
1: believers that Southeast Asia is quickly catching up on the digitization um, of becoming, you know, a fully enabled internet economy. And, you know, there's various reports like the Tomasek-Bain report, which shows that, you know, there's very high growth rates with these businesses coming online and becoming more digital. And we see a lot of players coming in to help build and support this ecosystem, especially in the fintech space with large payment processors, like the first wave were companies like Stripe and Braintree. And now we have big local players like Zendip, for example, really helping, enable merchants to, to collect payments, for example, and to be able to send payments um, you know, back and forth. And so it's only a matter of time that we see more and more companies become more digitally enabled. And as that happens, there's more and more opportunities to then help them unlock and analyze their insights and to be more efficient in, in how they're using that capital.
0: In terms of differences between countries in the region, what exactly are you seeing? I mean, in Southeast Asia specifically, what are the disparities in terms of needs and wants and the take-up rate for such services?
1: Southeast Asia is, is a very unique place in the sense that it's highly fragmented and every single market has its own nuances. Mm. Um, so it, it's very hard to kind of describe in broad strokes, but I would say that you know the the thing that has been the biggest barrier for fintechs in general to be able to successfully provide you know effective, appropriately priced capital to these companies in the past has been just lack of access to transparent data, right? And that's a function of just the traditional way that data has been supplied, you know, to to underwriters, whether it's you know pen and paper or or traditional type of, of, of methods. But with the digitization where there's more companies now adopting cloud based accounting, for example, and, and cloud based technologies, it's making it easier for fintechs to then build infrastructure and technology to to really connect their, their data to understand what's what's happening under the hood of, of these businesses and then to correctly assess, you know, how risky or, or how much growth potential that business actually has. And so we're seeing that happening in you know, in markets like Vietnam and Indonesia. Um, and really, it's it's just been the last two years with, with the onset of COVID where we were just seeing so many more businesses that are now um, much more transparent with, with their data because of this,
0: what about in Singapore specifically? Because as I mentioned when we started the interview, we do have schemes. The government does have schemes in place to help businesses even on their digitization journey and with working capital too. So what sort of a thrust are you seeing in terms of businesses turning to alternative financing amid all of these other options? I do know that they have to jump through quite a number of hoops in order to get those grants as well. But then there are others that are more easily available. So describe to us the responses from businesses here amid all of this.
1: Yes, that's correct. So, so Singapore businesses are, are in good shape in the sense that they have access to a lot more support um, from, from the government and from there's also a wide availability of alternative and traditional financial uh, institutions that can help provide capital. Um, so I think for for local businesses in Singapore, uh, you know, they they have the opportunity to really assess the pros and cons of different options. And the beautiful thing about a lot of these capital options is that they're not mutually exclusive. So going through one option, if applying for a grant, for example, wouldn't preclude you from being able to take a loan to, from another capital source. And so it's it's best for you know these institutions to think about what are their priorities, um, what type of. Growth they're expecting, and, and then to to seek out the right type of the right mix of capital sources that allowed them to achieve this objective.
0: All right, thank you very much, Jeff Jeffrey Liu, co-founder and CEO of Genfi. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. You stay safe and take care. Yeah, thank you so much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at MoneyFM 893sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.